We'll be in the Psalms again tonight. Psalm 29. We had read Psalm 28 a couple of weeks back. And we're just going to pick up at the after that at Psalm 29. It's a short little psalm. Psalm 29. Give everybody a second to get there. Psalm 29, verse 1. Ascribe to Yahweh, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due His name. Worship Yahweh and the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is above the waters. The glory, excuse me, the God of glory thunders. The Lord above vast waters. The voice of the Lord in power. The voice of the Lord in splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the woodlands bare. In his temple all cry glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord sits enthroned king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I pray that as we look at these words that you just help us to See your power, see your authority, dear Lord, that we would fear you, that we would love you, that we would respect you, that we would be in awe of you and who you are and what you are like, dear Lord. And as we read about you and these words that David uses to describe you, dear Lord, let's not miss the significance of your power and your glory and the worship that you are worthy of. And God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you just would recall to my mind just the right words to say that you would Free me from distractions of the world, that you would take any, any worries or burdens or struggles that I may have, dear Lord, and I pray that you would just bind the enemy from my mind and from each mind in this place, dear Lord, that tonight we see you, dear Lord, and we give you the praise that you're worthy of. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, this psalm is a psalm of David, as many of the psalms are. And at the beginning of this psalm, in the first couple of verses... <coughs> David says, Ascribe to Yahweh, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due His name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of His holiness. What he's saying there is God is worthy to be praised. Give God the praise and the glory that He is due because of His holiness, because of His strength, because of His power, because all He has done, God is worthy to be praised. Now we see this heart of worship all throughout the Psalms, even when the psalmist may be uh, having a hard time, when enemies may be coming against them, or when there's a struggle, or they're grieving over their sin, most of the time David, uh, whatever the, the psalm may be about, it almost always ends, or at some point in it, has worship of the Lord. And David starts out in the first couple of verses of this psalm, in Psalm 29, by saying, 
The Lord is worthy of our praise. Because of his magnificent power, he is worthy of glory. So therefore, those of you who know of the Lord, praise him, worship him. And that's what he says here in the first couple of verses, kind of setting the, setting the tone for us that we should worship the Lord. Now, we probably need to be reminded of that because, quite frankly, there are times that we just don't feel like worshiping the Lord. Now, it would be wonderful if we all felt like worshiping the Lord all the time, and maybe some of you do, but I think most of the time, for most people, there are days where it's just hard for you where you just don't feel like going to church, where you just don't feel like reading your Bible, where everything seems like it's crashing down. And in those days, it may be hard for us to worship the Lord. But you know one thing that I found in my life is even when it's hard to worship the Lord, sometimes, almost always, if not always, that's what we need to do the most. The times where we need to turn to the Lord the most are the times that I think the devil tries to get us not to turn to the Lord. It's hard to worship the Lord when things aren't going good. It's hard to worship the Lord when we're in a bad mood. But what I've discovered is when we worship the Lord all the same, whether we're having a good day or a bad day, often on those bad days when we worship the Lord, it turns it into a good day. I think that's one of the tactics of the devil is he doesn't want us to come around other believers. He doesn't want us to fellowship in a church group or in an apartment group or read the word or spend time in prayer because he knows that if we begin to worship God, then our heart is going to change from a heart that's angry and depressed and sad to a heart that feels the peace and the joy of the Lord. And so this is a good reminder to us that God is worthy of our worship, whether we feel like it or not. And sometimes maybe worshiping the Lord may be the cure from the struggles that we're going through, and maybe Satan has blinded us and deceived us to that. If we go a little further down, though, there's a big section here of this, uh, excuse me, of this psalm where David begins to talk about the voice of the Lord. Now, he uses some language here describing uh, the way the voice of the Lord is, and this is kind of hard for me, at least, to wrap my head around and to understand exactly what David is speaking of here. Now, he may be speaking uh, in, in a sense that he's using physical worldly things that we know of that are powerful and, and, and ascribing those to the voice of the Lord, implying that, look, when God speaks, he's a God of authority. He's a God of thre- uh, strength. The, the ground rumbles. The, there's fire that comes. There are all these worldly things that we may think of uh, as being powerful, and David is d- ascribing those things to the Lord uh, in a figurative way, just figurative way, just to show us the power of the Lord. Now, he could be doing that, or it could be literal. The things that he's saying here could literally be the results of the power of God. Now, I don't have a problem believing either of those things, because in either one of those things, the power of God is brought to our attention. Uh, Even if he is speaking in a figurative way here, it changes absolutely nothing about God, because God is all-powerful. Uh, If he's speaking in a literal way, well, that's not hard to accept either because many of the things that he speaks of in the voice of the Lord here are things that we have seen when the Lord speaks. You may remember uh, in Exodus as uh, he was getting, uh, the Lord that is, was getting ready to give the commands to the people, you remember what was going on on the mountain. Uh, there was thunder. There was all these, all these things going on, and the people were afraid of these things as the Lord was speaking to them. And so there were actual physical, 
literal things that were taking place as the presence of the Lord was upon the mountain and speaking to the people. Now, that could be the very same thing that David is talking about here as he begins to talk about the voice of the Lord. In verse uh, two, or excuse me, 3, he says, The voice of the Lord is above the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord above vast waters. The voice of the Lord in power. The voice of the Lord in splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the woodlands bare. Now, we have lots of descriptive words there as it's talking about uh, the voice of the Lord. We see uh, power mentioned there. We see there is splendor in the voice of the Lord. We see that the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. It shatters the cedars of Lebanon. It makes, the, uh, the, it makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. Now, those are things that when I, when I hear this type of language about... Uh, um, 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 trees shattering, the first thing that came to mind when I read that language was a storm, was lightning striking a tree. I was thinking, what could cause a tree to shatter? What would, what, what, what would David possibly be talking about there if he's talking in a physical sense that would, that would mean a tree would shatter? And I remembered that just a few years back, I was coming uh, back into Liberty on the old Jackson Road, and just as I was coming into Liberty, it was storming, and I was pretty dang close to a tree on the right side of the road. And just as I was about to approach it, I saw that tree got struck by lightning. And I watched the lightning run down the tree. And as it did, the tree was shattering. There, were, there was bark. There was pieces of things shattering off the tree. And I watched that lightning go all the way into the ground and the, and the, and the dirt around the tree explode up. And so when I read here that David says the voice of the Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon, that's what I thought about. Perhaps he's speaking of, of God moving in some way like a storm. When, there are, uh, when he speaks of Lebanon skipping like a calf, perhaps he's meaning the rumblings that are taking place when thunder occurs. After all, we see that same type of language when God speaks to the people on Mount Sinai. So it's very possible here, and maybe even likely, that David is recalling something physical that happened. That is, the presence of the Lord was among David and the people, and these physical things were taking place. There was, there was thunder that was occurring. Perhaps there was lightning that was coming that was causing the trees to shatter. It says even further in verse 7 that the voice of the Lord uh, flashes flames of fire. Uh, now, perhaps that flashes of fire was lightning in the sky. Maybe David was referring to it in that way. Perhaps those, those, those flashes of fire were simply like we saw in Exodus as God was leading the people by a pillar of fire. So whether these things are physical or literal, I don't know. They could be either or. But what is important and what we don't want to miss is that these, this language that David is using is describing to us and pointing us to the power of the Lord. 
Now, it goes on in verse 9. This is kind of a tough one to understand because of the Hebrew language. Now, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth or makes the hinds calve, as it says in some translations. Now, I searched for that phrase, and I cannot find that phrase anywhere in the world other than in the King James translation. Now, uh, I don't have a clue what that would have meant in the 16th century when that was written. But modern translators translate that to be at, 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 the, at the fear of the Lord's voice and all that goes on, it makes the deer or it makes the animals go into birth, have a premature birth. Now that could be what it means. Some of your translations, however, may not say that at all. Some of your translations say it makes the oaks twist. Now there's a reason why that it says that. Now this is what makes translating, we'll, we'll, take, a, we'll take a break for a second. This is Bible Translation 101 for the next minute or so. Now, when the problem with the Hebrew language is they do not use vowels. So when you see the name Yahweh, and you, if you were directly to translate that to English, it would be Y-H-W-H. Uh, would be Yahweh, because there there is no vowels in the Hebrew language. So what we do, or what translators do when they translate to English, they have to add vowels in or else we wouldn't be able to read it because we wouldn't understand. The translation of verse 9 here is difficult because the Hebrew word, the letters that are missing, if you replace them with one set of vowels, it, it, it leads you to believe that there's an animal giving birth to a calf. If you change those vowels around, though, it, it leads you to believe it's an oak tree. Now, it's hard for English translators to know what should be the proper vowels to go there. And so what happens is there's some difference of opinion. So I don't know what this verse means. I don't know if it's talking about oaks being twisted, which would fit with the rest of the translation, with the Lebanons being shattered. If he's speaking of God in his voice and his thundering voice with lightning and with uh, the power that comes with that, if he's talking about trees being shattered uh, by lightning or by whatever means, uh, it, it very well would fit that there would be oak trees that may be twisted as a result of the Lord's voice. But it's also understandable that at the fear of the Lord's voice and the shaking and the commotion that's going on, that it could cause an animal to go into birth early. So I don't know which one of those things it means, and there have been scholars that have debated that for years and haven't figured out the answer. So we're probably not going to figure it out tonight, but I wanted to explain to you why that difference is there depending on your translation and how the the translators come to the conclusion they did. It's because they put the best vowels they thought would fit in there, and some thought it meant an oak tree that was twisted. Others thought it meant animals that gave birth uh, prematurely. All right. The result, though, at the end of verse 9 is what's important. In his temple, all cry glory. Now, if there are people gathered at the temple who are worshiping the Lord, and this all happened in a physical sense, can you imagine what it would be like? Well, we can kind of imagine in that we've already seen the response in Exodus. What was the response? The people were in awe. The people were afraid. Now, we would be too. If God were to speak to us in his voice tonight, imagine that the building would shake, the windows would shake at the thundering of his voice. Uh, imagine seeing clouds in the sky and flashes of lightning or maybe fire or smoke. Uh, imagine those things taking place for us tonight. If the trees around us begin to shatter as God began to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty scared. I would probably hit my knees in an instant. 
And I think that that's the normal response. We see a similar response to people in Scripture when they see angels. And angels aren't even the Lord. We see, uh, we see that type of response with the Israelites when they experience the Lord on Mount Sinai. And so we see the response here with David. After this power of the Lord uh, is, ex- is shown to the people in whatever way, whether it's a physical sense or a figurative spent, uh, sense that they understand this, the response of the people is, In his temple all cry glory. Now that needs to be our response too. When we read God's word and we see his power, or maybe we experience in our life, our response needs to be that we give God the glory. Now I've never had an experience like this one described in in the psalm before. Now it may be possible that some of you have, or maybe if we none of us have, maybe one day we will. But whether we have this type of experience or not matters not. Because for those of us who believe and trust in the Lord, we trust in the Lord because of faith. Not because we see God do miraculous and powerful things, although sometimes He may do those things, and I don't doubt that He does. But we believe based on faith, not on based on what we see. And so we see in the words of Scripture the power of the Lord, whether we see these things physically in our life or not. Then a good reminder here in verse 10. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The king sits enthroned, king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. That's a good reminder there in verse 10. This reminded me of Brother Ernie because I've heard him say thousands of times probably, the Lord is still on the throne. Now he's given that encouragement to all of us probably. And that is good encouragement when we are going through a difficult time in our life. We must remember that God is still on the throne. Just because things look like that they are horrible, that they are out of control, even in the time of the flood when things were as bad as they've ever been, God was still on the throne. And guess what? He spared those who were righteous. Even today when we turn on the news and we see the evil, even today when it feels like God has abandoned you maybe and you don't feel his presence, you don't feel like things are working out, you, don't, you wonder why he's not doing something, even then, guess what? God's still on the throne. And David reminds us of that here. From, from, from even way back when, in the worst times of the flood, all the way to now, God is still on the throne as king forever and ever. And as a result of that, the Lord gives his people strength The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, when we read God's word, I believe we hear the voice of the Lord to some extent. Uh, We may not hear God speaking to us audibly, but I believe we hear God speak to us through his words. Now, I'm not saying for, for a second that God may not speak to us audibly, and maybe he has spoken to some of you audibly. I'll tell you a good story. Just this past week, somebody shared a story of a family member who had been praying for something for about a year, I think, and they were praying and praying and praying, and all of a sudden, one day, they were in their backyard. I think they were working on their flowers or something, and, and the Lord spoke to them in an audible voice and said, this is what you need to do. And they turned around. They thought somebody was there. But it wasn't anybody there. It was the Lord giving them the exact response to the prayer that they had been praying. Now, I'm going to tell you what. That'll kind of give you, give you chills, right? 
And, and she said she couldn't explain the voice, couldn't explain what it sounded like. She said it just, it was unexplainable even what kind of voice it was. But she knew it was the Lord because that's exactly what she had been praying. And that was exactly that response as she stood in her backyard. Now, I believe that God still works like that in the world today. And it may be that God may speak to you in a voice like that. If you remember the, the story from Elijah, maybe you don't, but you can read about it in Elijah chapter, uh, Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 18 and chapter 19, after Elijah stands up to the prophets of Baal and he retreats to the forest as Jezebel's trying to kill him and he asks God, uh, look God, I just want to die, take my life, and God restores him. And then God comes to him and it says that first as the Lord came by, there was, there was a great wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then, and then there was a great earthquake. Uh, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And it goes through all of these things. And at the end of it all, it says, And then uh, there was a still, small voice that was there. And that's what the Lord often speaks to us in. Now, God could speak to us in the way that he does in David. I'm not saying he couldn't. He might do it tonight before we leave. But oftentimes, I think when we hear the Lord speak to us, it's a still, small voice. It's not a big to-do, and we hear that voice when we seek Him, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to read your word, I'm going to pray to you, and God, speak to me. And sometimes, maybe, who knows, God may speak to you in an audible voice. But at the very least, I believe He speaks to you through the words that He's already given to us in the Bible. And we need to be in God's Word, and we need to read God's Word, and we need to hear God speak, and we need to see His power. We need to know who He is, and we need to know that He is worthy of praise because He is still on the throne, and He is there to give us strength and to bless us, just as David reminds us in Psalm 29. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for these beautiful words that remind us of just how wonderful you are. And God, we know it. We know that you're wonderful. We know that you're worthy of our praise deep down. But sometimes our bad days and our hard times cause us just to uh, not give you the, the, the praise that you deserve, dear Lord. Sometimes we try to take care of things on our own and, and work our way through our worries, dear Lord, instead of just going on to you. But I pray, God, that you would help us to turn to you first, that you would help us to see your great power in this psalm and remember that in our lives, dear Lord, and that we would have the same response as those we see that were in your temple in these words, that we would give you glory, dear Lord, that we would trust you, that we would know that whatever's going on in our life or will go on in our life, that we know that you are in control, that you are on the throne, that you are victorious, and ain't nothing happening, God, that you don't know about, and ain't nothing happening that you're not going to help us through. And so I pray, God, that we'll never forget that truth, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.